Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Whilst the world of HR has always evolved at a fast pace, in recent months we have seen moves to introduce a right to remote working, statutory sick pay entitlements, as well as an ongoing intention to implement auto-enrolment pensions. When considered against the backdrop of severe staff shortages in certain sectors, it can be a lot for an employer to get their head around. My first guest, Damien McCarthy from HR Buddy, joins me now to discuss these recent developments. Damien, let's start by discussing the revised Return to Work Protocol. What changes were made to this document recently? Yes, Carl. Well, um, I suppose, first of all, it was very welcome uh, when uh, employees were allowed to uh, be phased back into uh, the workplace. Um, I suppose initially um, a lot of celebration and, and excitement. But uh, most certainly, in particular, I think, Carol, in the first week or two, uh, when employees were returning to the workplace, there seemed to be an awful lot of confusion. And I suppose we did have to wait a week or two before the transitional protocol uh, was actually released. But I suppose since the transitional protocol has been released, it now provides much better guidance um, to employers on how they should uh, operate their activities uh, in the return to work. Um, And I suppose the transitional protocol is an evolution of the work safely uh, protocol. So I suppose to give like a few very obvious uh, little bits of clarity uh, on that, um, employees no longer need to to work from home. They can be phased back into the workplace. Um, There is no requirement to maintain two metres physical distancing uh, in the workplace. And there's also no no requirement to operate in pods of six, and you do not need to collect the contact details of, of people uh, on the premises. And there did seem to be an awful lot of uh, questions and queries with regards to the wearing of face masks uh, in the workplace as well originally. And I suppose the transition protocol has given guidance uh, on that as well and clarity on that, whereby face masks. Um, are only required in certain settings such as healthcare, transport, retail and public offices and uh, by those serving food and drink. Um, But the protocol does still say that wearing face masks is still good practice um, especially for those uh, sharing work vehicles. So most certainly um, there has been some clarity and um, that is avoiding a lot of confusion that we did see within the first week or two of people returning to work. And of course, just at the end of January there, the Tarnishta published the details of the new right to request remote working. That has caused a little bit of a stir since then, hasn't it? Well, yes it has. Um, I suppose there's an awful lot going on uh, for employers at the moment. They're working their way out of a, a pandemic and I suppose you know, it's, a, it's a very tricky environment and I suppose a lot of employers feel that uh, an awful lot of changes in legislation is controlled at, them, uh, at the moment. But, you know, this legislation is part of a commitment to the EU uh, Work-Life Balance uh, Directive. Um, so it was something that we were expecting uh, to see um, I suppose it's not going to be finalised into law until uh, July at the earliest. But the announcement a few weeks ago gave us some detail on what that legislation might look like. Okay, so um, you know the employees will have the right to request uh, remote working. I suppose what's important now for employers um, is that they develop their remote working policy because that is actually going to be a legal requirement and I um, indeed there will be a fine of two and a half uh, thousand euro uh, if you aren't able able uh, to produce your remote working policy but what I would say to employers is that it is now very important that if they haven't already begun work on the remote working policy um, that they should 
and they should explore what is going to work from the point of view of remote working requests being made or hybrid working requests being made and what is going to make sense for their business going forward. But I would also say that once this right to request remote working is signed into law in July or sometime afterwards, more than likely we are still going to see some amendments uh, made because there is an awful lot of, I suppose, legal argument at the moment. Um, and very definitely, I suppose, legal arguments around things like insurance and health and safety and things like that with regards to remote working. So not a straightforward piece of legislation by any means. Something that I often feel may be overlooked by employers when they are granting remote work is that the remote workspace automatically becomes an extension of the office. So what can employers do to protect them in that respect? Well, I suppose with regards to employment law and um, health and safety law, uh, Carl, the employer needs to ensure that uh, the employees provide it. Uh, with a workstation, so uh, a work desk uh, and, and so on, and that uh, an ergonomic and risk assessment has been carried out uh, on that workspace. Um, I suppose with regards to uh, health and safety um, and even insurance and things like that, there are still an awful lot of questions. And when the employer um, is preparing the remote working policy, most certainly they should uh, be liaising with uh, HR expertise employment uh, law expertise, uh, health and safety expertise, and indeed, uh, you know, with regards to their insurance policies and so on, because um, there has been cases uh, internationally whereby uh, home workers have, you know, tripped and fallen down their stairs during work hours and um, actually taken a case against the employer and won. Um, so, again, going back to the remote working policy, this needs to be very carefully crafted uh very well considered and tailored document uh, from the employer's point of view, in particular to uh, in regard to things like health and safety. Another area that's emerging as well is this whole area of statutory sick pay. The legislation is pending in relation to that. What's that going to mean for employers? Yes, Karen. Well, in the next few weeks, uh, sometime soon, we should see uh, the final draft being signed uh, into law with regards to the statutory sick pay scheme. Now, the Oireachtas Committee on Enterprise Trade and Employment um, have approved this. So we will expect it to be uh, signed into law uh, sometime soon. I suppose, just to mention, there are two uh, recommendations made by the committee uh, on this um, previous, I suppose, some of the information that might have been released uh, back in 2021. Um, one is that... Um, you know, in particular, lower-paid workers may have some right uh, for some type of rebate uh, for the medical sort that needs to be produced to the employer as part of getting the statutory sick pay. Um, and the other one is that they also recommended that uh, an employer, <coughs> if they could demonstrate to the Labour Court uh, that they couldn't genuinely afford to make the, the payment with regards to the sick pay scheme, uh, would be able to do so. So I suppose we're still awaiting final detail on it, but what we do know is that in 2022, uh, statutory sick pay is going to start uh, being phased in when it's signed into law. Uh, that's going to go up to, to five days in 2023, seven days in 2024, and eventually 10 days of statutory uh, sick pay in 2025. Every employee will be entitled uh, to that as long as they have uh, 14 weeks service uh, with their current employer. Another cost is coming down the track at businesses. We don't know exactly when, but it's certainly coming, and that's auto enrolment pensions. So what's the latest on that, Damien? 
Yeah, well, it had been posted that we would see this legislation in 2022. Now, I, I would be very doubtful about that. If you look at the uh, remote working uh, legislation, we were promised that in quarter three of 2021. Uh, but with regards um, pension auto uh, enrolment, uh, it's in place across many European countries already. It's in place in the UK. Um, it is most definitely something that we are going to see here, obviously, as a state. Uh, we have problems with regards uh, securing our future and the future of uh, current workers with regards to pensions. So the idea is that uh, employees would be auto-enrolled and if they wanted to be removed uh, from uh, the, the workplace pension, uh, that they would have to make a request in writing. So it's almost flipping it around on uh, the current situation whereby uh, an employee would have to request from their employer um, that a, a pension would be provided through the employer's payroll as it currently stands, uh, and that it's going to be flipped around and an employee would automatically um, be put on a pension scheme um, and they would have to request in writing uh, for them to be taken off it if they wish so. The employer has to contribute to that as well? Again, it has been told that the employer will contribute. No, I, I do think, Carl, that um, you know that it is still down the tracks a little bit. And like the uh, right to request remote working legislation, I think there may be an awful lot of debate uh, on that coming up. Uh, perhaps in the second half of, of this year. Um, I suppose employers are having an awful lot of costs putting on, uh, being put on them. Most certainly feedback coming from uh, employers is that uh, you know new legislation keeps on getting put on their desk and they're the ones having to pay for it. And if you, if you look at the statutory sick pay scheme and um, I suppose that the extra um, public holiday entitlement, which is now coming in also um, on, on March, the 18th uh, from uh, this year and indeed on St. Bridges Day from next year onwards. Um, you know, that's even four days alone uh, in, in 2022 and by 2025 that's 11 days. That actually adds 3% to every employee's payroll cost uh, for their employer. So there's a lot of cost we put on employers and I still think there's going to be an awful lot of debate be, uh, before we see um, uh, pension auto enrolment uh, being signed into legislation. Of course, one of the other major challenges facing employers across the country is staff shortages. One possible solution for many sectors is an increase in work permits to be able to bring staff in from outside of Europe. What are your thoughts on this and what progress do you think we're going to see this year in that respect? Yeah, well, um, uh, very definitely across uh, some sectors in, in particular, more so than others. I mean, the, the hospitality uh, industry is very definitely uh, in crisis uh, at the moment with regards to staffing shortages. Um, I, and I suppose the hospitality sector was looking uh, towards foreign workers previous to the pandemic, uh, never mind in 2022. Um, and indeed across uh, construction, many many other industries now, there are uh, staffing issues. Um, I suppose, you know, looking abroad may be an answer, but uh, it's problematic from an administration point of view. There's also uh, a cost to it. Um, it can be um, a very slow process. So most certainly for sectors, um, that are uh, experiencing staffing shortages. I think something maybe needs to be done at a government level uh, to make that process easier, uh, quicker and smarter and more efficient. And Damien, finally, employee retention has never been as important for businesses across the country. So what advice have you got for employers in that regard? 
if you look at it, Carl, it's a competition across the industries between employers and most certainly it's a very hard and challenging market as regards recruitment and retention. Everything is going in the uh, employee's direction at the moment. But what I would say to employers is, you know, try and get an edge. You know, if you're developing a remote working policy at the moment, um, try and have it well tailored. Uh, try and um, develop a policy that is going to seem attractive uh, to possible future candidates uh, and recruits. Um, I very definitely think the future of work is moving towards life work balance and flexible working. Uh, not every employer might like uh, to hear that, but in particular, if you look at the challenges now with regards to the cost of living crisis and so on, there are ob- obvious transport uh, costs, there are uh, fuel costs and so on in commuting, there are childcare costs is a huge issue. I suppose if you looked at flexible working and if you were able to uh, decrease childcare and fuel costs for your worker, you may become a more attractive employer. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Damien McCarthy from HR Buddy, and I'd like to thank Damien for keeping us up to date with recent developments in the world of HR. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.